0: Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And I have a really special guest today, and I know I say that almost every week. But, but this guest is one that when I decided we were going to bring him on, I was like, why have I not done this before now? Because I've been going to his meetings for so long. And so today I'd like to welcome Randy Mayu, founder of the First Friday Book Synopsis. Since April 1998, Randy has been one half of the First Friday Book Synopsis team. He now pre- presents two synopsis each month, 25 plus years and counting. His unique academic and professional background from theology, he spent 20 years in the ministry, to rhetoric, to business, has shaped his diversity and breadth in his offerings. His wide and consistent experiences with book synopsis and briefings keep him current. And his briefings allow him to address a wide array of business issues faced by organizations in every sector. So Randy, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: You know, I can't remember the first meeting I attended or how I got there, but I believe I got introduced to you through Success Smart Dallas. Does that sound right?
1: That's my best guess, yeah. and I know that I've seen you there plenty of times.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, and I mean, we were there pre-COVID, and then during COVID, you kept it going through the Zooms, and now you have a very large audience on zoom
1: we do yes it's a good hybrid audience we have more on zoom than we do in person including some people from other parts of the country
0: well you know what i love so much about the first friday and why i'm so glad that i found it is because you know as many professionals i don't have as much time to read as i would like and i don't read as fast as i used to and you know and i really want to pour into a book and so when i attend the first friday That gives me, like, I can say almost that I've read two books at least a month because your synopsis is, I always refer to it, I don't know if I've ever told you this, as Cliff Notes on Steroids.
1: Okay. Okay. I read the books. I very carefully prepare multi-page comprehensive handouts, multiple points, lots of excerpts, the best highlighted passages from it. And so if a person listens to my presentation Mm -hmm. and actually reads through the handout, it is almost as though they've read the book.
0: Yeah, and but and yes and I love that but I think it's also a deeper dive because there are and I'm trying to there was a book you presented on a few months ago um and you were talking I can't remember what it was but you were giving flavor like you were you were reading the excerpt but then you're saying now do you know do you understand what this means and you mm-hmm. went back and you were talking about some old ancient traditions okay we were talking about the
1: you got me. I you don't got remember. Me.
0: I don't remember. So tell me a little bit about you and how you even got into this.
1: As a boy, I loved reading comic books. Okay. So I read comic books. I would go sit at my little neighborhood store and read them on the rack and then buy them and take them home and reread them. There was a time when I owned the first Spider-Man, the first Fantastic Four, they disappeared long ago. Oh
0: no! Yeah, they would
1: have been worth something. And then I went from comic books to Hardy Boys, from Hardy Boys to Nero Wolf Mysteries. There was a time when there were more Nero Wolf mystery books in print by Rex Stout than from any other author in the country. So I read all of those, and then I graduated to serious nonfiction books. So I've always been a reader.
0: Do you know what my first recollection of reading— I, I tell people all the time that I learned how to read on these books, but I'm pretty sure that's not true. But you know what are my first books that I really what? remember reading? Chronicles of Darnia.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a college professor who would read one of those chronicles, a full book, a few minutes each class period for the semester. So, that's how I was introduced to C.S. Lewis.
0: Wow, that's amazing. We would, my mom would read to us every night. She was a teacher. I don't know if I ever shared that with you, but um, she would read to the my sisters and I every night. And But she would only read a chapter. Yep. And it would make me so mad. And so, I was one of those kids. I would get in so much trouble. So, we always had mom leave the hall light on. But I would shut my door. Okay. And I would take my pillows Put them by the door and read by the hall light coming in at the bottom, the crack under the door.
1: I would take Nero Wolfe books to school, and I would put my textbook propped up, and I'd have the Nero Oh, Wolf you were one right. of those. Yeah, I was one I of think those. I've done that a couple by times. By the way, uh, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, and one other formed the Inklings, and there's a pub, and I never remember if it's at Oxford or Cambridge, but they've got a plaque, and I have sat in that booth and looked at that plot.
0: That is interesting because I, I think I've heard that story before, yeah. but I don't remember where that was either. But that is so cool. So you said you were a young boy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How old, though? Do you remember how old you were? No,
1: started as early as I could with comic books. So, you know, I don't know, first grade, second grade, who knows? Uh, very young.
0: So how old were you when you turned your knowledge for, your thirst for reading into, like, a career.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the years I spent in ministry as Mm -hmm. a preacher, I was always broadly read. And so I would always pull in quotes from books that I was reading. And that was, I was known for that. And so I did that. And then when I left ministry, left that denomination, uh, I met Carl Krayer, my Mm -hmm. co-founder with First Friday Book Synopsis. And we talked about how much we both loved books and how exactly what you said. People don't have time to read the books, but they want to know what's in them because they need to know what's in them to help them in their work, their business, their life. So we came up with the idea of First Friday Book Synopsis.
0: Well, thank goodness you did. And I mean, this has been going on for almost, no, just 26 years. You yeah. just turned over 26 years. We're in our years. 26th year. That is amazing. Um, and I, Love Lovely. So you mentioned a number the other day at the last First Friday. How many book synopsis have you
1: given? We have given over 600 Jeez. at the First Friday book synopsis. That's two books every month except for one ice storm month. And then I have done for 15 years books on racial justice, social justice, poverty, homelessness, for City Square, a large nonprofit in Dallas, one book a month for 15 years. So you add those in, and we're at 700, 800 books that I've presented.
0: That is crazy. And I think I remember you telling me one time now you're not the average reader. I mean, because you literally read for a living, yes. right? But I think I remember you telling me you read like four hours a day.
1: I read in four-hour chunks when I am reading one of the books that I'm presenting. Mm -hmm. And I don't do that every day, but I do it a lot of days. And I've learned that if I can carve out four hours, I take a little ice water break in between, Mm -hmm. um, I can do it in shorter periods. I can't do it in longer. I can't can't read longer than four hours. I become a zombie.
0: I I can imagine. I mean, I I usually can, when I read, I can probably about... 45 minutes to an hour is yeah. probably about my max, and i got to get up and move. Cause. In the book,
1: Deep Work, Cal Newport says you have to work up mm. to four hours, and I think that's right.
0: Oh, I think so too. What are your thoughts on speed reading?
1: Um, I read my books slowly. Okay. Very slowly. Every word, every paragraph, hundreds of highlighted passages. Um, I can skim, mm-hmm. and I do read for fun Bosch and... Daniel Silva, Gabriel Alon, and uh, you know all of the mysteries and thrillers. Those I read much faster, but when I'm wanting to learn, I have to read slowly. I don't think you can speed read and learn.
0: I I would agree with that. I decided at one point that I was going to learn how to speed read because, and I did, and I did increase my speed, but I don't think that I absorbed as much as I do because I mean like. I, I probably don't learn exactly like you do when I read, but I am one of those that I, I call it devouring a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I go through and I'm highlighting and I'm tabbing and I'm writing in the margins thoughts that I have that were provoked by whatever it was I was reading. And so, and I love, like I'm one of those people, like when I do that, like if I ever need to recall that information, I can I know which book to go to, I know which page to turn to, I know which, you know, how far down it was on the page. Do you do that too?
1: Um, I did, um, I did. And and I would, wouldn't remember the page, but I remember left side of the page, first yes. quarter of the book. I switched to Kindle app on iPad a okay. few years ago. And I cannot tell you how much it has improved my capability in preparing the synopsis. Really? But now instead of writing in the margin, which you cannot do on your Kindle app, I remember the excerpts from my handouts and so that is now my visual is I remember what part of the page, what I wrote in the margins when I presented it, I throw them away after I present them, the handouts really, and that way when I present them for another audience, when a company hires me, an organization brings me in to do one for a deeper dive, I rework through the handout. It's like rereading the book.
0: Oh, that's so interesting that you throw away your own handouts. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Do you okay? So let's say you're presenting on you, you presented on building a second brain, which was right. probably one of my favorite books that you've ever Terrific presented book. on. Yeah, yeah, that one was really good. Highly recommend people read that because there's so much automation that we mm-hmm. can do. Uh, habit stacking, Atomic Habits, is another great one that you can read about that. But it was so. Interesting, And I forgot, totally forgot where I was going with that. But why was I talking about building a Well, I was brand? throwing
1: away the handout.
0: Oh, yeah. And so, so what
1: happens is the handout doesn't change. Right. It, it's in my computer. I've got them all. But the things I wrote in the margins, I don't try to remember uh, that. I rework through it when I present it to a second audience. And I write things in the margins. And then I present it from that one. And afterwards, I throw that away. Because that keeps it fresh.
0: So you're not totally redoing all the excerpts. You're just doing doing anything. notes. Yeah, it's
1: the same handout, just my own notes.
0: So I know it's been proven that reading is good for the brain, but are there certain genres that you think all professionals should
1: read? You've got two different questions. One of them is brain development. Okay. And there are some things that you have to do to read a book to study it. And so to study it, you ask things like, what is the thesis of the book? And you look for thesis quotes, and I do that. Mm-hmm. You ask things like, what are the key points and the key stories? And my handouts always present those. But, but genres of books, um, you know, there are people who learn by listening, so people listen to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the same as studying, But for people who have dyslexia or are very busy, that's a lot better than nothing. Right. A lot better than nothing. And I do not remember the details in my thrillers and mysteries like I do the books that I prepare and do a multi-page handout on.
0: Yeah, that is so fascinating. And I tell you, I don't throw away your handouts because I feel so bad because I know you put so much work into it. And I love to go back and refer to them. And I often share them with mm-hmm. other people that maybe don't want to get up at 7 a.m. in the morning, even though it is the best breakfast in town. It is. <laughs> you cannot beat that breakfast. So it's worth it getting up. I mean, otherwise, honestly, I mean, I, I, I get a lot over the Zoom when I have to attend by Zoom, but I want to be there because I want the
1: breakfast. And I am handout intensive, yes. both in person and on Zoom. So people who attend on Zoom, I email out the handout. Theoretically, they print it out yep. and they follow along with pen in hand. And that is the way to do it. This is a study session, yes. not a relaxed session.
0: Exactly. And tell everybody why you want them to have, because one of the interesting things you do during your presentation is you're like circle this, underline this, you know, put, put brackets, cir- brackets around this. Why do you do that?
1: Research says that people remember things and learn things better when they write some of their own notes. For example, in college classes, students who take notes on a screen, on Mm -hmm. a laptop, do not do as well remembering as people who write it on paper. And so what I've done is I've created a handout that is a paper note-taking aid in addition to all of the content that helps people learn. It, it keeps them engaged. People have to be engaged.
0: I, I think that's so true. And I love the fact that you are encouraging people to write stuff down because I think some people look at me like I have two heads when I tell them that there's magic when you put pen to paper. Yeah. And it's, um, and you've probably heard this term. It's actually called double encoding. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I try to mention that as many times as possible to like our young executives or anybody that's anybody that will listen because it's it's just pure magic when you do that that's right so um what kinds of books do you usually brief with the leadership team
1: well i have a number of blog posts and my blog is at 15minutebusinessbooks.com mm-hmm. with the blog tab and i have a number of books that i've written blog posts on and i say here are the best books on leadership here are the best mm-hmm. books on uh strategy here are the best books on customer service uh, there is no such thing as a best business book. Um, there, People ask me, what's the best business book? I have an answer to what's the best book. The best book I've ever read is Man's Search for Meaning yes, I by Viktor Frankl. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty high on the grapes of wrath. But there are really close to greatest books on leadership, really close to greatest books on strategy. Mm-hmm. there is the Bible on time management. and so give me a category and I can give you the best books so in the in the field of business books.
0: you know I love that you have been so gracious with me um, you know I've taken over a new role over the last six, seven months and it, and I love that you you come up and you pose these questions to me. And then you recommend, and you will send me little, like, you know, some of the sessions that you've done before the synopsis, based on the answer to my question. And I just, I, I don't think I've ever really truly told you thank you for that, but I really do appreciate well, you're it. You're welcome. And I want to also bring up the fact that you have a new, is it called the Lifelong Learning Academy?
1: Uh-huh. Academy of Lifelong Learning. I was close. Dot com. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So tell us a little bit about that.
1: It it simply takes, every synopsis we do, we make an audio recording, Mm -hmm. and then we sell the audio recording and the handout. So people who cannot be there for the Zoom or in person can download them and get them. I've bundled books together by theme, books on leadership, books on strategy, books on digital transformation, so people can buy groups of three or four books at academyoflifelonglearning.com.
0: And I think that is so important that, you know, even if you can't, I, I, I feel like there's so much to being there in person, right? Because it's not just we're learning from you, we're also learning from each other because we have those, you give us time to have those conversations about the synopsis after you do it. Um, but if you can't do that, maybe you don't live in Dallas or, you know, you just can't make that 7 a.m. meeting yeah. <laughs> in the morning.
1: Now, Now, you don't get to complain about that. Because I, you are the host <laughs> of the other 7 a.m. meeting in town. So.
0: I, exactly. You know, but it's so funny whenever I'm inviting people um, to either of the meetings, I either get a, okay, or I get a, uh, yeah.
1: ugh. <laughs> let, me, let me back up a minute. Okay. Um, one, of the, one of the things to learn is that people who lead companies read books and learn That's from them. Uh, One of the best examples I know of this is in a book called Creativity, Inc., where he doesn't say to do this, but Ed Catmull, who was the CEO of Pixar, who is the genius behind Pixar, uh, literally invented the first animated hand. You can find it on YouTube. He had a PhD in something like engineering. And so he became the leader of a company and he said, I didn't know anything about leadership. So he went in search of the best books on leadership, read them, and then put into practice what he read. There is a real case to be made that Ed Catmull saved Steve Jobs from disaster because Steve Jobs was, forgive the bluntness, a pretty big jerk. And, and Ed Catmull taught him how to be less of a jerk. <laughs> and and when Steve Jobs went back to Apple, he did a better job with people skills. Well, that's Ed Catmull. And that's an example. Ed Catmull is an example of you figure out what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You read good books on it and you put into practice the things you learn.
0: I love that. you know, And I, I want to, in leadership, I love, and you've presented on so many books on leadership. Will it jump, jump? Will Jucko Willink. Willink Jock- extreme
1: Willink. ownership and leadership strategy yes, and tactics. Yes.
0: In the book that you presented on the other day by the general,
1: uh, Admiral William Admiral. McRaven, The Wisdom of the Bullfrog, he was the le- Navy SEAL's leader. And he was the man overseeing the killing of Osama bin Laden. And this is his book on leadership. And it is a terrific book.
0: You know, I love it when you're presenting on a great book because you get so excited. You're like, you know, this is a good book most of the time. But boy, when it's a great book, you're like, when I say this is a great book, this is a great book. So we know that we're probably going to end up buying that book, you know, afterwards. So that's one. And, of course, make your bed
1: yep that's a good one yeah it was carl the same. did that one
0: did so i don't think i was there when he did that i yeah. think i read that one on my own but it's a good one and it reminded me to yeah. make my bed and that's
1: yeah. also written by admiral mcraven which Correct. is why you mentioned it
0: yes. yes and so that's a really good one but i also know that you teach um a college course on speaking and mm-hmm. um you know just how to be better and we know a lot of our young professionals especially our young Um, executives that are just graduating, that they're going out, and they're trying to get their first job, and they're scared to death, and they're shaking in their boots. What's one piece of advice you would give them to help them with their professional skills?
1: My academic training is in theology and rhetoric from Mm -hmm. the University of Southern California. Uh, Everything that Aristotle said has been developed into lifelong learning about speaking. Here's the key to speaking. Two keys. Have something to say, and say it very well. You got to have both of those. Yes. Have something to say and say it very well. Most people neglect training on say it very well. Mm -hmm. They work on content but not delivery. Yes. And so uh, you've got to learn both. And all of the rules eye contact, voice, emphasis, uh, gestures all of that matters. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't help if your content is subpar. So have something to say say it very well. Warren Buffett said the number one skill for everyone to start out with is to learn how to speak in front of a group.
0: I think that is so important. You know what? You just gave me an idea for our young executives. There you go. I think we're going to do a speaking tour. Um, But you know, one thing that you shared with me that I thought was really when I first started speaking, um, and again, thank you because you're always so gracious with your tips and you know knowledge was go back and listen so yes you need to have that first Mm -hmm. but then go back and listen without watching Mm -hmm. watch without listening and then a third time do it both yeah to really critique yourself have a
1: friend record yourself on your own camera on your own phone and then listen without watching that's exactly right and watch without listening and then do both. And that will help you see what you've not done and what you should do. And it will help you hear when you repeat filler phrases and you have poor grammar, et cetera. So watch, no sound, listen, no watching.
0: You know, it's so interesting the other day because you had pointed out a phrase or some filler words that I was using. And then the next meeting you came back and I'm like, I didn't hear you say that once. I was like, I wasn't even trying. You just planted the seed. Don't say that. That's right. So I think that's really important too that you know you ask for that honest feedback from people
1: This is the essence of coaching because people can't see what they're doing and they can't hear what they're saying Somebody, it's not that they know more, although they may, somebody who is an observer can say, here's where you're slipping up and here's where you need to add." Mm-hmm. So that's one of the values of a good coach.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's almost, I'm sure you've heard the saying, you can't read the label from inside the jar. That's right. That's what that just reminded me of. Yeah. So as we start to wrap up here, what is the best piece of advice that you would give to a young professional embarking on their career today?
1: Learn widely. Mm. Start with that. I mean I mean admittedly, if you know how to do computer code and you're going to work in computer code, good. there's a wonderful book called um, You can Do Anything: The Surprising Power of a Liberal arts education. huh? And what it says is that you've got to develop the other skills, what we sometimes call the soft skills. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to listen. You've got to have empathy. In order to do that, you have to read widely and you have to keep learning. The number one advice is you do not yet know enough. Uh, And you never will know enough. So keep learning.
0: That is Perfect. I love that. And I am a lifelong learner. I like to call myself a consummate student. So
1: Good.
0: All right. So I am really curious to hear your answers on our VIP questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you?
1: Well, the first thing is, I would sign up to go because my belief is they would not have allergies <laughs> on Mars and I hate allergies.
0: Oh, it might have been horrible lately. Um,
1: assuming that I could have my iPad with Amazon and a Wi-Fi connection. Okay. The three people that I would take, if you ask me today, are Gina Davis, James Fallows, and Nell Minow. Gina Davis, the actress, mm-hmm. is an activist on making sure that women and everyone else is treated equal, are all treated equally. Uh, There's a major article in the New York Times recently about her spreadsheet. So I would love to know how she learned how to pay attention to equal treatment. So that would be... I'm going to have to go look into that. I did yeah, not know that about fascinating. Her. And then James Fallows was a speechwriter for Jimmy Carter as an expert on speaking and a writer for The Atlantic. Okay. I would love to have dinner with him. Nell Minow is the daughter of Newton Minow, who recently died, who gave the very famous... America's television is a vast wasteland speech. Mm. And she is an attorney and is a film critic for Ebert.com, Roger Ebert yep. site, and just a brilliant woman. So those are the three people I would want dinner with on Mars, <laughs> Gina Davis, James Fallows, and Nell Minow. That's my list today.
0: Today. It could change. But today, yeah. that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So what's one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Wordle. Wordle. Explain yourself. It's the New
1: York Times word game. Okay. Because I need something to just empty my mind and get started. Now, I've read multiple uh, daily readings books, some of them Christian, some of them uh, kind of secular. I love those and I have loved to have, and I do this frequently, one that I especially love is The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. So a brief reading, couple of pages, no more to start the day. So those are some things I do.
0: Okay. So if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be?
1: He wanted to help people learn.
0: Ugh, of course it would. Of course it would. How do people find you? I want everybody to come join us at the first Friday Book Synopsis, which will be at this week.
1: That's right. It's Friday morning, minute minutebusinessbookscom that's where you find it we started out with 15 minute synopses a confession they're now about 25 to 28 minutes but they're good
0: they're worth it they're so you're so entertaining i mean no but you can look across the room if you dare look away from your handout and you can see everybody's just like it's like drinking from a fire hose but it's so good it's such good information thank you no thank you for doing that and for you know providing that so that we can still get the information we need without If we don't have time to read, you know, as many books as we'd like, and especially not as deep a dive as you do. So, well, thank you. Well, Randy, this has been amazing. I am so glad we finally made this happen. And I just have one last thing to say to you you
1: are a VIP. Well, thank you, Casey. I enjoyed this very much. Good.
0: And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.